You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosher. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosher. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. Landon, how was your Labor Day weekend, sir? Uh, it was good. I mean, it's obviously extremely eventful. I mean, this is not going to be one of those podcasts where we're going to have to scrape the bottom of the barrel to find things to talk about. There's too <laughs> much to talk about. Our, Marcus and I were actually arguing all the way up until the moment we hit record. So, uh, yeah, I, we've got a lot to talk about. I'm excited. Yeah, I almost missed hitting the record button because we are getting into a nice little argument. Uh, yeah, busy weekend across the NFL. Uh, the Cowboys cut down to 53 men. Uh, we are going to go ahead sort and talk. Of. <laughs> they cut down to 52, and then they got up to 53, yeah, and they were then back to 52. It's like a yo-yo. Yeah, it was Yeah, it was uh, quite the weekend for the Cowboys. I was looking at my phone every once in a while when I was at picnics and stuff, and it seemed like they just cut another guy and added a guy off waivers, and it was hard to keep up. But we are going to fill you guys all in. Um, let's go ahead and just start with this. Lena, what were your overall thoughts on some of the, you know, the, the big picture moves the Cowboys made in the week over the weekend? Do you think any of these moves are, you know, massive, you know, changes where you expect them to, you know, to win an extra game or lose an extra game based on the things they did this weekend? I mean, I think if you want to talk about, you know, those kind of moves, I mean, you know, the few things that are individual stuff that we're going to talk about, you know, extensively, like keeping Frederick on on the active roster or, uh, you know, Mayher versus uh, uh, Bailey. You know, those are the kind of things that I think will be having the potential to change the outcome of a game or, you know, that, that having that level of impact, right? Can, can we talk about Frederick real quick? Cause I'm, I'm glad that you brought him out because he actually wasn't somebody that I put on my show. Uh, oh my gosh. Sheet, but, wow. But <laughs> there was a lot of discussion over the weekend from a few predominant media people that the Cowboys are in trouble with their <laughs> offensive line because they claimed a couple different offensive linemen. But when you look at the roster and the guys that they have, I believe they have, is it eight guys now on their offensive line or is it nine? Nine. It's nine. It's nine. And that includes Frederick, which means in week one, you're going to have eight offensive linemen, which is pretty standard across the NFL, right? Yeah. I mean, eight, eight or nine, like, I think, you know, it, uh, I think that, and I, if we're not going to talk about the guy's name in particular, that's fine. But uh, like, I, I think you can go the, ahead and say, I don't mind. Go ahead. I, I, you know, look, I, I mean, Evan Silva is who he's talking about of Roto World, and I, you know, here's how I feel about Evan. I love his work as long as he's not talking about the Cowboys, because <laughs> I, I feel like he just. I don't know if he has a bias or whatever. We all have our biases, and obviously, my bias is pro Cowboys. But, sure. uh, but uh, you know, he clearly. Uh, he, he you know, presents himself as objective, and I, I just feel like he's not objective with the Cowboys. And this is a great example because if you look at the moves, they don't read like you know panic that they don't. They, yes. they read like they they read like hey, our all pro center may need a couple extra weeks. Panic is iring the center and then try to trade like your second round pick for a starter level center. Um, because you, you, you fear that your you know all pro center may never play again, 
or uh, you know is going to be paralyzed for multiple years, which are all things that are on the spectrum of of EBS, the the the, the, the situation that we're discussing. Panic is not you know making a roster claim, or uh, which is what how we obtained one of them, or trading a down roster cornerback who was likely to be cut anyways for a, a no risk uh, situation for a guy who was. You know, vying for a starting position at guard and tackle, by the way, which is not a position that was uh, that that is have, we have players that are currently hurt at. So, I I just feel like you know, there's if anything, this is a positive sign um, that Frederick's being kept on the 53 man roster. That means that they feel like there is an opportunity, and it's not a, a confirmation of positive, but again, it's a positive in the fact that it's not negative news. It, right. In a situation that we're talking about, you know, is a negative situation. A guy suffering with a, you know, a, a disease, a situation. The fact that they didn't need feel the need to put him on IR and and rule him out for the first eight weeks is a positive sign because it's still leaving the door open that he could potentially play sooner rather than later. What what does sooner mean? None of us know yet. Right. But so I, I mean, sooner than I, eight weeks. You know. So I think what happened was the Cowboys claimed uh, offensive lineman Adam Redman. And I think that kind of set off a couple people that, hey, they're looking to add players to the offensive line. Uh, but then it was like 20 minutes later, the corresponding move of cutting Kadeem Edwards came in. So it's it's not like they're adding players to the group. They're just trying to upgrade that unit, right? Yeah, and to me, it, this is how I read it, is that Anger is a Kadeem Edwards up, is actually the Kadeem Edwards upgrade, right? Like, because I, I think I, I think Anger is going to be the guy that very well potentially could be here beyond. I mean, what will be here beyond Frederick returning to the lineup, right? I think once Frederick returns to the lineup, there's a chance that Redmond either gets cut or you know whatever um, for for another spot you know, because potentially they're going to need even more, you know, room for guys like Irving coming back, whatever, you know. So. Um, I think that uh, I think that he, I, I think to me that it 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 read one way initially, and everyone kind of used their confirmation bias to like you know jump People on. People do that it, on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? That so they 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 use that to kind of jump on the opportunity to say, hey, um, I think it's this way. I think that uh, you know that this is clearly indicating that uh, we are uh, that they're unable to uh, feel safe about what Frederick's status is. So, and in reality, it was a little bit the opposite. It was the hey, uh, this is a. This is you know a situation we're trying to get through. We don't know what we don't know exactly how long he's going to be gone, but we don't think it's going to be that long. So let's get a we you know Zach Martin is our emergency center in game, and let's get a guy in here. So if that happens, you know, uh, uh, you know we 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 can figure out a situation. We have a backup center to him in game if Looney gets hurt. And the other thing too is I think part of the reason that you you can't keep a Kadeem Edwards when you may have wanted to, uh, or that you. Um, uh, want to you you want to have a developmental guy? I think the reason that you go out and get a guy like Anger, who has a little bit of more experience and is probably ready to step in and play for you, is because with Frederick down and then you know Martin possibly having to slide in if Looney gets hurt at center. Now you're going to need a guard immediately. Uh, you know, if one you're one injury away from needing a, a starting guard. So I think that's why they didn't necessarily feel like Edwards was that guy that they wanted to be able to, to put on the field, you know, one injury away. 
uh, and I think that that's where anger came in is that they were willing to part with that piece to say, hey, just in case if there's an injury in game or you know, Zach Martin's knee is not where it needs to be, we need somebody who can step in and play you know guard if you know if either an injury happens at center or guard because that's of you know what the nature of the backup situation was. All right, we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to pause for a second so I can tell you guys about my bookie. You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for my advice. Usually it's what team to bet on this week. The truth is, I don't always know who's going to win. But if you think you know, you've got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They have been in the business for years. They have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me in the past, and that's why I'm urging you guys to make your way to my bookie. You win, and they pay. It's that simple. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet on the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each week. If you join now, MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, I want to talk about maybe the biggest news uh, item over the weekend, and that is the Cowboys releasing Dan Bailey. Uh, heading into camp, we didn't really know there was a kicking competition, but apparently there was. Uh, the Cowboys decided to go ahead and release Bailey in favor of Brett Maher. I think I'm saying his his last name correctly. Uh, I've got a lot of thoughts about this release, but I will let you have the floor first, Landon. What did you think about the releasing of Dan Bailey? Well, I mean, I think that it was... Uh, Unexpected by Absolutely. anybody. I mean, I, I think I think that's the one thing that you can say about this for sure is that no one. I don't know that anyone saw it coming. Um, I I think you've seen you know, and again, I I I, I like to offer the counterpoint to the 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 normal. Um, response to these sort of things right like i want to offer the spectrum here and and i think everyone had their rightful kind of freak out about it um and you know oh my gosh how can you cut dan bailey blah 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 you know and then obviously there's also the people that went too far and you know say things like okay so they kept the (laughs) the the pothead rico gathers but they they cut the best kicker because they play the same position absolutely right yeah and, and that makes i mean that's Flawless logic there. <laughs> There's, and first of all, way to come up with some, uh, a tweet in complete good faith, by the way. I'm sure you, you don't know better than to tweet that. So, uh, I just, retweeted every one of those, so, uh, those uh, tweets because they were so funny. Uh, yeah. Marcus is such a <laughs> troll feeder. Uh, so anyways, um, uh, you know, so when it happened, obviously, you know, you you kind of go through your head and try to figure out what the way it works, what what happened, what's what's the thought process here, and, and you know, look, the thought process here is that this was a conversation that I'm pretty sure you and I had a lengthy discussion. We about. did. I went back and listened to the podcast pre- pre- about it. Though. Preseason, yeah, and 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 I think we weren't the only people discussing, you know. 
it's disgusting that and frankly some of the people that were are the most especially like you know at dallascowboys.com and stuff the, some of the people that seem to be the most disgusted and appalled by this were the same people that were also implying that tell oh, there may be something up with uh with with uh, dan bailey all all in the <laughs> offseason all before camp all Never. before all that stuff so and, and also the same kind of people that were full on sounding the panic alarm when when Bailey was going through a, a whole week of hiccups or a few days a day it was a day a day of hiccups I think it was, um, so uh, you know first of all let's let's make sure that we're not just swinging wildly like a pendulum you know, <laughs> um, I, I think that there's been a progression. And and I think if you don't notice the progression, you're lying to yourself because, you know, three years ago, he was kicking a 95-plus percentage field goal range, right? Two years ago, he's kicking in an 84% field goal range, which is, you know, a little bit less – than uh, than average, frankly, it's about you know seventeenth, eighteenth. Uh, and in actually, the if you if you look Last, at it, like in the kicks that he was missing, were all be- shorter than fifty yards, which makes you really nervous. So that 80, even that eighty four percent is a little inflated when you account for the value of the kicks that he's he was attempting. And then last year, obviously, he had a terrible year. He was near the bottom quarter of the league. Uh, obviously, a lot of that had to do with the, the 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 groin injury, but I think I think again, all of this seems to stem from a lower back situation that cropped up in I think it was February of 2016, and um, or or maybe it was it was before, earlier than that I can't remember, but it was 2016 that was happened, um, and and I think that if you Look at the progression of where where his where his career has gone for the last few years. He's not the same guy. He hasn't been the same kicker that everyone is out there arguing full throated about on on Twitter for a long mm-hmm. time. So uh, I think that you know the Cowboys looked at it. They looked at the situation that they're going to need this guy to be doing kickoffs now because especially with the kickoff rules, you're going to want to kick it out the back of the end zone mostly. So you're going to need to be able to keep this guy healthy doing that, you know, with, with the situation obviously still lingering because look how much they were holding him out in training camp. And, and here's the other thought process that we didn't get to see is, was there a process of, Look, we held him out. We baby babied him all throughout training camp. We gave him tons of rest. He didn't kick in games. And is was it not enough? Like were they doing all that and it still wasn't like he still wasn't feeling right and he still was having issues at, at the end of kicking at camp at, at, so if he was how how would that make you feel about his chances for the regular season where they're not going to be able okay, to give him Okay, let rest? me play a little bit of the opposite side of it. So what if they were doing all this stuff for Bailey in practice. And this actually kind of sounds like what happened. They were doing all this stuff for Bailey in practice, but Marr was still just better. I mean, he was great in the preseason. What if he was just a much better kicker during camp? Well, I, I don't think these are mutual. And, and this is the, my larger point, honestly, is that I, I don't think those are mutually exclusive right. points. I, I think that the, the point is, and I'll even add in the third realm of, one of them cost $4 million, Absolutely. and one of them cost a fraction of that. All of these things are factors. Can you trust an aging Dan Bailey to get back to where he was two years ago, despite being on the other side of two injuries and not any indication that you necessarily can trust him like that anymore? Or do you trust a kid that has never kicked in the NFL before that seems to be pretty good? 
you know, the, you know, what's the what the there's a youth uh, equi- add, addition to the equation. There's the money added to the equation. All these are factors in a a, a large, difficult decision making process, and I think they should all be considered, and not just you know myopically looking at oh he was cut because of the money and they're being cheap for but no that's, reason. But that's or, a big oh, that is a big know, thing. Like, I want to I want to mention this. They're gonna say, they're gonna save big, ten mil- thing, more than ten yeah. million dollars over it, the next three seasons by cutting Bailey. That's not an insignificant chunk of change, not at all. Well, again, yeah, no, uh, no, of course it's not. But, but, but also at the same time, the the chunk of change is insignificant if Dan Bailey is Absolutely. kicking like the Dan Bailey that Absolutely. got signed. The difference is the, the it's the performance with the with the the, uh, the money that is the issue. You can't you can afford to pay Dan Bailey four million dollars a year if he's still kicking at ninety five percent field goal rate and he's still kicking the ball out of the end zone. You can't afford to do that if you're needing to give the guy all this rest and you still can't rely on him and he's still and, and when he's healthy, he's still not kicking at a 90 plus percent clip. Like so uh, I think yeah, it's like I said, it's a combination of all those things that had to be factored in and it's a lot of different voices. So, uh, you know, it's it was I'm sure not an easy equation, uh but it was one that uh you know, look, say what you will, I think it was bold, and I think it was you know. Th- there's been a lot of there's been a lot of hand wringing around here about them, you know, hanging on to guys too long or or not being uh, you know uh, uh, not making the hard cuts at times. That's not been the issue I this agree. year. That th- they they have been not afraid to kind of go after what their vision for this football. I'm going to add in two quick things, and then we can move on because I don't want to spend the whole show talking about Dan Bailey. But I love special teams. Uh, I think the first thing that they probably noticed is they. They went back and looked at Bailey's stats over the last two years. He was 13 of 21 in the, the month of December and January. Does that mean he's struggling to kick as the season's going on? Is he struggling to kick when the weather gets bad? Uh, possibly. Uh, in the last two seasons, he's... Or both. Or both. Over the last two seasons, he's one of seven when he's having to kick, you know, when the temperature's below 40 degrees. Is that... be? The ball gets cold. Right. It gets hard. It's harder to kick, and plus fatigue from the whole season. I think it's 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 a it's a force multiplier in the late season against the kickers because you're kicking a Absolutely. harder ball and you spent all season kicking Absolutely. that ball. Um, you know, and obviously they need a guy that can do kickoffs. Are they are they going to trust his leg in December and January when it gets cold and he's having to kick outside with a bad back and a sore groin? I don't know. The other thing that I think we need to mention is Brett Marr can just do more for your football team. Uh, he's obviously got a stronger leg. I think you're going to see that on kickoffs. But he was also a really effective punter during the preseason. He had eight punts that were down inside the 20-yard line during this preseason. I know he's not going to be your every game punter, but if you get into a situation where Chris Jones goes down, it's nice to know that you have a guy back there who is not only adequate, but I think can be a pretty decent punter in the NFL. So he can just do more at a a lesser cost, and the Cowboys decided to move on, and I applaud them. I absolutely love the move. It's it's an aggressive, bold move that I really like. Um, Let's go ahead and talk about some of the other newsworthy things that happened over the weekend. Uh, the Cowboys put two players on IR, Noah Brown and Dayton Jones. Um, I, I th- well, not so fast. Did they there. not put Dayton on, on IR? 
I think they've they've actually decided not to put. Oh, Daytona see, this Jones is new to me. I must have missed this. Well, yes. Well, this I think this has just happened recent, like right before we got interesting. On the air, that they've, I think, in response to Brian Price, we'll we'll talk about. Let's this. go ahead so and talk it, about it right what, now what, because what, what? Yeah. So he, you were going to mention. Go ahead. Say, mention what they, they were. They were the plan was to bring Brian Price back onto the fifty-three man roster because uh, they waived him over the weekend. But the Oakland Raiders, uh, my second team, uh, actually claimed him, and he might be starting in week one because their defensive tackle situation is so bad. And that kind of left them thin at defensive tackle. They have, obviously, Malik Collins, who is coming back from the broken bone in his foot. Tyrone Crawford is kind of a part-time player there. They kept Daniel Ross and Woods. They really need one more guy. Price isn't it. They've been looking around. You're telling me that maybe Dayton Jones could be back soon? I don't know if, if if they're thinking that he's coming back soon, but it sounds like that they are second-guessing uh, putting him on IR, which may mean that he might be in, inactive early. It still puts them in kind of a tough role. I, I kind of think that even if they're keeping Dayton Jones off the roster – they may still need to sign another defensive tackle, right? If he can't, if he can't play week one, well, they, they kind of so, went light uh, on defensive ends, which kind of surprised me. And that's where I thought they would maybe add an extra defensive tackle because they really they well, have four, right? Maybe I, I got to think that maybe Karan Reed still could be a guy that they end up signing back onto the roster. I mean, I, he's a guy that he played really well in that four, week four preseason game. I loved him coming out of college. Like, I mean, I thought you know, I. I wanted the Cowboys to, to to try to get him in the middle rounds, and I don't really, you know, I to be square, I, I don't really know what happened to him uh, in his career up to here. But and he played well Thursday night for the Cowboys, so I, I think that you know maybe he he could be a guy that they sign back in. I, maybe Dayton Jones is ready sooner than we think. But even then, like, is Dayton Jones go, going out and giving you a ton of one technique snaps? Maybe. I mean, because maybe. Uh, cause, Maybe I don't know. I guess so. I, I guess that like, he can. I mean, I, we saw him do that a little bit. I mean, he's been in that tackle rotation, but yeah. It's, I mean, I, yeah. I guess he could be the, the kind of a pass rushing one the, technique. I mean, that, you know, the thing is, sense. this is going to be a, a very fluid situation because I wouldn't be surprised if you have three new defensive tackles on your roster by week five. You know, especially once you get David Irving sure. back. Well, I mean, with Irving back it's, and everything, it's going yeah, to be a very awful. interesting situation to see how that all plays out. Um, one thing that I wanted to bring up really quickly, and I want to kind of give you kudos for this, is that the Cowboys kept just two running backs on their active roster. We've kind of been talking about that for the last couple of weeks, how that could be a possibility given Jameis Olawali and Tavon Austin's uh, ability to do th- things out of the backfield. They kept just Ezekiel Elliott and Rod Smith. Any kind of just thoughts wrapping up uh, you know, that concept right there of only keeping two? I mean, obviously I'm biased, but uh, to me, I, that seems I, I smart. <laughs> because, I, I mean, I think you're leveraging the one section of the free agency, street free agency, that, that you can consistently count on being pretty well stocked, you know? And so I think you, you understand that this is what – what you need in your running back core is really all you need for the for a game. If if you can survive a game with your running back, because what's the there's zero point in having inactive running. Oh, I hundred percent. You know, so so either so either either your third running back needs to be a special teams ace and help or you in a that way, or punt returner uh, type of player, or, or a guy that you plan. I mean, he's either got to be a guy that plans that you plan on 
specifically trying to get snaps to, or you know, a dynamic you know kick returner, special team, or whatever. And if you don't have either one of those guys, then why even carry carry that extra guy if you've got a fullback who provides you versatility and a wide receiver who provides you the versatility right. to kind of piecemeal into right. one player? So, yeah, I thought it was a, a smart And move. I know a lot of people on Twitter are upset, again, that the Cowboys lost Darius Jackson. They released him on, uh, on Saturday. He went unclaimed. They put him on their practice squad. And then on Monday, mm-hmm. uh, the Green Bay Packers signed him to the active roster. They brought back Bo Scarborough to the practice squad. They also have Jordan <laughs> Chun. Uh, again, the Cowboys are covering themselves here. If you have an injury to Rod Smith or Ezekiel Elliott, they're going to have guys on the practice squad that are ready to go. I, I actually don't expect them to go out to free agency to try to find a backup if they need one. They've got guys on their taxi squad that can come in and help them right away. So I'm not too worried about yeah. that position. Um, let's pause so I can talk to you guys about FanDuel. The wait is nearly over. Football is almost here, and that means fantasy football season and FanDuel has never been more fun or easy to play. If you're not a fantasy expert, then FanDuel is clearly the best place to play. FanDuel has something for everyone, and there are always more ways to win. Don't believe us? How's this sound? This season, FanDuel is running a free $250,000 Survivor Contest. This is the biggest free Survivor Contest ever. Here's how it works. You pick one team to win each week, and you can't reuse that team again for the rest of the season. This locks before week one, so don't miss your chance and sign up now. To get into that free $250,000 Survivor Contest, just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Plus, new users get a $20 bonus when they make their first deposit on FanDuel. Come play with me at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. All right. One of the things we need to talk about is Rico Gathers. Uh, There was a lot of... (laughs) hand-wringing about Rico on Saturday morning when it was announced that he uh, was arrested on Friday night. Uh, And then the Cowboys decided to go ahead and keep Rico despite the arrest. So I want to toss it to you. What were your thoughts on the Cowboys keeping Rico Gathers? Well, I I definitely thought that it was, you know, after the the arrest that that kind of gave them an out if they wanted to, to to cut him, for sure. you know, it definitely kind of made it easy, the decision easy, if they wanted to make the decision easy. Um, but clearly at that point, they had already decided to keep him. And so, um, look. Can we talk about why they may, may have kept him, though? Because I think, I think they looked at their tight, tight end situation right now and felt that Rico is just a better player right now than Dalton Schultz. I, I don't, you know, I mean, the, it, we're just throwing around terms like better. I, 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 like, here's, I think, but then, I, more, I, I think look, more, more useful. useful is absolutely how I was going to phrase it because I definitely okay. agree with that. Because I, I think, again, what he can do right now, right away, like that trait is immediately very useful on the roster on game day. And that's what makes Rico special is that. When we're talking about the down roster tight ends, we're not usually talking about guys who you think can actually make immediate impacts in the game. You're talking about guys that you hope can put in the game and not hurt you. And 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 that's the thing is that Rico is both those things. He's a guy <laughs> that can come in and and do something, actually, you know, make an impact on the game. And he's also a guy who can come in and really hurt you because he you know misses a blitz pickup and a, now. That thing that hurts you 
it, it is slowly getting smaller and smaller every day because he's getting it, it. That's the thing that I think is kind of changed the tide on this is that he started to get better. Like it, it, se- yep. it seems like for a very long time, he, he, it just, it wasn't going anywhere. It wasn't getting any better. Even after you know uh, an off season, it, it, immediately at training camp, it it hadn't felt like he had gotten that much better, and and I think that really what we saw is uh, they asked him to do some more and more more stuff, and he was able to do more stuff uh, while while maintaining his level of receiving and stuff. I, I think what we where we are at at this point is that Schultz because of missing all of, all of camp or a good portion of camp with paternity leave uh is not where he needs to be to get to get onto the field over Rico on a consistent basis. I also feel like the other thing about this is that I view these as two different tight end positions. I, I there's a there's a J- Jeff Swaim track and there's a Blake Jarwin tw- track and I think that that uh Schultz is kind of on the the Jeff Swaim track and I think that uh Rico is kind of on the Blake Jarwin track, right? Where they're um you know not that they th- th- those those guys can't all play every position but I think that how they would get deployed in 12 packet, 12 personal packets, how they view each player is kind of similar. They view Swaim as the kind of general do it all tight end one. You're going to put out whenever you put out a tight end because he can do all the jobs. And, right. and then Jarwin is more of the kind of weapon tight end, right? And I think that that's what they're trying to get with, with Schultz is that eventually Schultz will also be the kind of jack of all trades. And then Rico will eventually be the weapon. Right, and I so I think that keeping four allows you to develop both, and I, you know, the good part about this is that it's forward thinking, right? This tight end group, how we feel about it right now, is not how we're going to feel about this this same four people probably six weeks from now, maybe even less, than maybe that. less, maybe four weeks, yeah. From, uh, yeah, all good thoughts there, Enrico. Uh, we just have a few minutes left. I want to talk about the most surprising and most disappointing move over the weekend. Uh, for me, the most surprising was how few defensive ends the Cowboys kept on their team. Uh, I mentioned before they kept just four with Demarcus Lawrence, Randy Gregory, Dorrance Armstrong, and Taco Charlton. Uh, they released Charles Tapper and Coney Ely. I kind of thought that one, if not both of those guys had a chance to make the roster. The Cowboys must feel really good about those four guys. They have to feel really good that Randy Gregory is going to avoid any potential trouble or anything like that. To go that light at the position is is somewhat surprising to me. Lana, what was your most surprising move over the weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think... You know, obviously, excluding the the Bailey situation, the the most surprising move to me was was that they didn't keep at least one more cornerback. Um, mm. I you know I thought that we would see one cornerback out of White and um, and all of them, um, and then I guess you know outside of that, it, you know, it it really it wasn't a ton of surprising. I think. Late after that, it's been surprising. Like you mentioned, that Tapper got cut and then just released off the practice squad. Yeah, that there's there's got to be more to that story there because he is certainly talented enough to be on a practice squad. I, I don't get that. Yeah, I mean, I think that I don't know what's going on there. I, I just feel like, and the, and the weird thing is, is that it's not like he has uh, physical stuff. Like it feels like his problems are are developmental. Like he's just not 
getting the hand usage stuff as well, it, it, which it is wouldn't fine. Surprise but... me. It wouldn't surprise me too if Tapper looked at the situation and said, "How likely am I going to earn a playing?" spot here in Dallas if I just sit on the practice squad because because they have so many young guys ahead of him I, I just don't see a way that he was going to, going to get on the field anytime soon so maybe he asked for his release to catch on to a practice squad with yeah, but you don't, the Chiefs you don't but you don't like I don't know I mean may, it, maybe it's, it's an odd situation yeah. situation there for sure maybe um what about mis- most disappointing move of the weekend um I mean, you know, not not dis- disappointing because I, I I had hoped that he would have gotten there a little bit better, but I, I really thought Kadeem Edwards. Uh, yeah. I, I, I but I, I get it because I mean, I, I again, like I said, with Frederick, you know, being uncertain, now you're suddenly one injury away on either guard or center from having to play that swing guy, swing interior guy. Kadeem Edwards, I think, probably could have survived being the down roster inactive guy, but if he's got to be, you know one snap away from being a starter, maybe even for multiple games. I just don't know that he's ready to do that yet. You know, and I, I, I like him a lot. I think the Cowboys should definitely try to resign him on the practice squad um, because I think he's got talent and I think he's got upside. And I think he's going to get there. I just don't think he's there right now. I agree. I, 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 I like Kadeem Edwards. I thought he had the chance to be a six offensive lineman somewhere for the Cowboys down the road. But uh, I think also Brian Price. I, we liked Brian oh, Price's yeah. film I mean, a lot last year. Yeah, that was disappointing that he didn't end up. I mean, just because we we thought for sure that he was going to be a, a you know, have a, a role. You know, on the you know, yeah, at the, the games, very least, I thought know. he could be the backup one technique at the very least. Yeah, and obviously, you know the. The Cowboys tried to sneak him on, and it just didn't work out that well. Oakland needed a guy, and obviously, it sounds like he's, like you said, he might start for them. So they are such a train wreck. Uh, anyways, uh, that's it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Lynn and at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Locked On Cowboys, and of course, I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you next time.